One of the, uh, my favorite activities growing up was going deer hunting with my dad. It's one of the ways, special times that we got to spend time together. And he taught me as we went out that we were going to deer hunt, we had to be able to figure out where the deer were. We need to discover where they are. We needed to look for sign. When we entered an area, we need to be able to figure out if they were there or not because the whole goal, obviously, is to find deer, to see if they are present or not. So there's certain things you look for and you pay attention to where they feed and where they drink and time of day and all these things so that you can discover if they are there or not. Well, I think for all of us as Christians... That's part of our task as we seek to serve God is to be able to discern if God is there or not. To discern if He's in the work that we're involved in. You see, just because an activity has the label Christian, it doesn't necessarily mean God is in it. So we need to be able to discern if God is in the work or not. In America, we are especially good at being busy. We love to get involved, and many of us jump into the church activities, and we get involved in a lot of things because they're church, they're Christian. But even though we're good at producing a lot of programs and organizations and activities and outreaches and all that, it doesn't necessarily mean that all those are something God is calling us as individuals or as a church to be involved in. So we need to discern where God is at work, where He is present, and learn to get involved in what He is already doing. That's our primary task. Some of our youth leaders went to a conference in the last few days in Seattle, and there were 250 seminars, all presenting great programs, all kinds of things to get involved in. But how many of those things are things that we should get involved in? Probably very few, if any. I get letters at least every week, more often than that probably, from great organizations doing great things. Here's one I got a couple days ago. Good organization, great ministry. Our seminar will serve as a dynamic and powerful tool that is sure to unlock the door to God's Word in your church. This seminar has been proven effective with 30 years of careful research and experience. It's a good ministry but I'm not so sure it's going to accomplish in our church what they claim. You see, the question is, is God calling us to be involved in that? We need to look at where God is moving and learn to participate in what He's doing, not just jump into something just because it's got the label Christian. And I'm troubled as I kind of look across the Christian landscape and our culture at how often Christians in America today end up using all kinds of techniques because they work out there in business or they work out there in the world and we incorporate them into the church because they seem to be effective to get people involved, to raise money, to get something accomplished. And yet I'm troubled by that because There are techniques that aren't reflected in the Scripture so often. And the attitude seems to be, well, the end justifies the means. You know, it's a good end. We're going to save people. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to 
etc. And so any technique is good because it's a good end. But as I read the scriptures, as I see what God is telling us in the scriptures over and over again, God makes it clear, I think, that how we do something is at least as important as what we accomplish through it. How we do something is at least as important as what we accomplish through it. What we do is, and the process is as important as what we accomplish. I mean, just look back in Exodus to the golden calf, the whole event where Israelites turned to Aaron and said, hey, make us a God. We don't know what happened to Moses. He's up on the mountain. He may be dead for all we know. Make us a golden calf so we can worship. And Moses, it says, he took from their land, from their hand, fashioned with a graving tool. I'm back in chapter 32, made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to Yahweh. You see, Aaron and the people said, oh, well, this is how we're going to worship Yahweh. We'll do it through a golden calf. Well, it's a good end, right? They're worshiping God. Yahweh, the God who brought them out of Egypt. But God had made very clear that he did not want them to do it with a golden calf, with any kind of idols. And so he judged the people for it, and many died. On that day, you see how we do something is as important or more important than the end result. So how do we know something's truly from God? I mean, what what are the signs that tell us he's present in a work? How do we know God is present in the work that we want to get involved in or that we are involved in? Well, we want to look at that today as we look together at Exodus chapter 35 and into chapter 36. And as we look at this, I'm hoping that you will gain some insight into how we function as a church in some ways, too. Part of our philosophy of ministry, part of the way we approach ministry here that may be different than other places. It may not. But at least it gives you an idea of how we think about getting involved in the work that God wants us to do. What are the signs to look for? And I think of that. Again, the wonderful story, uh, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And at one point, all of Narnia is trapped in snow and ice because of the White Witch. But then the children are told something's happening. Aslan is on the move. And the snow is beginning to melt. White Witch is losing her power. The attitude of the animals of Narnia is changing and they're getting excited and confident again. You see, things are starting to happen because Aslan is on the move. That's what we're looking for. (laughs) The signs of where God is on the move so that we can be doing His work in His way rather than our work in our way. So let's look at these together. I want to give you five signs or evidences of when God is in the work beginning in verse 1, 1 through 3. When God is in the work, it begins with listening to God. Verse 1 through 3 of chapter 35. Then Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. I want you to be involved in the work. I want you to get involved in, in my work, God says. And notice where he begins. 
For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. This is serious business. You shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Now, as we've gone through Exodus, God keeps coming back to the Sabbath. Every time he gives commandments, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Every time he gives, explains what he wants them to do, he either begins or ends it by talking about the Sabbath. Why is the Sabbath such a big deal? Why is that so important? I think for several reasons. One is, you see, the people were used to just working and taking care of their lives themselves. They would work seven days a week. And, you know, when you're in an agricultural world, there's always stuff to do. There's animals to take care of and there's harvesting to do and there's planting and plowing. There's always more work to be done. True in the spiritual world, isn't it? Just the same way. There's always more work to be done. But God is saying, I want my people to only work six days as a reflection of God's six creating in six days and then resting. But partly he wants us to do that so that we will stop working and rest and remember who's really doing the work. It's him, not us. And again, in America, in our Christianity, we tend to just be busy a lot. And I think he's encouraging us They're about to do a great work for God, build the tabernacle. But when you're working for God, even when you're building the tabernacle, you've got to build rest into it. You've got to build a rhythm of rest. You've got to rest in the Lord and trust Him and take time to listen to Him along the way. That's what a Sabbath provides you, an opportunity to slow down and listen to Him. And have you found out that, you know, when you get too busy and don't slow down, God makes you take a Sabbath in His grace. He has me over and over again. I tend to get too busy. I tend to get caught up in what I'm doing. I tend to see another need and I jump into it and I forget to take time to say, Lord, is that really what you're calling me to do? And I start getting burned out. I go through this regularly and then God just slows me down. Either I get sick or something happens. And I've just got to slow down and begin listening to him again so that I'll hear what he's saying. So God begins and says, keep the Sabbath. Now, just a reminder, we've talked about this, but in the New Testament, this Sabbath commandment is the only one of the Ten Commandments not repeated. We're not to keep a certain day. Instead, what it says in Hebrews chapter 4 is that we are to rest in Jesus' finished work every day. But I think it's wise and it's good to follow a rhythm. Times of work and times of rest. So we slow down and have an opportunity to listen to what God is telling us. You see, when God is in the work, it begins by having a lifestyle of listening to Him, of trusting Him, of waiting on Him, of focusing on His work rather than our own. We need times like that. Cease striving and know that I am God, we're told. In the early church, they did this. Just a quick example from Acts chapter 13. The church was mostly in Jerusalem, but they'd established a church in Antioch. And uh, it was a Gentile church. They were trying to figure out 
Okay, God, what are you calling us to do? In the chapter 13, verse 1, Now there were at Antioch in the church there a number of leaders, prophets and teachers, and they list them. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, they were listening, right? <laughs> ministering to the Lord and fasting, they were focusing on Him. They were hearing from Him. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. See, if they had been just busy doing church activities, they would have missed what the Holy Spirit was calling them to do. And thus began the incredible missionary outreach of the church to all the known world because they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. They were listening. So God says, begin there. And here at Cole, we elders have stipulated that one of our core convictions is that in all our ministries, we want prayer to be foundational. We want prayer of listening to God and God guiding and God empowering whatever ministry it is, whatever program it is, to be central. Because we want it to be God's work, not ours. You see, any true work of God begins with people who have listening hearts. Secondly, when God is in the work, God will provide a plan. He will provide the plan for what happens. Notice verse 4 through 19. I won't read it all, but just beginning in verse 4, God provides a plan to the people of what He wants done. Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it to the Lord as the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, and blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, and ram skins dyed red, and porpoise skins, and acacia wood, and all the different things. Then verse 10, Let every skillful man among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. And he describes all the different parts of the tabernacle that need to be made. So he gives them a plan. Here's how you get the resources for what you need to do. And here's the plan of what you're going to do with those resources. God gives detailed instructions. He makes very clear what he wants them to do to build this marvelous tabernacle where God's presence will be among them. It's directed by him. It's led by him. God provides the plan. You see, again, you can go to conferences, you can get things in the mail. There's, there's all kinds of ideas that we could be involved in as individuals and as a church. All kinds of things out there. But we need to be very careful that what we're hearing is what God is telling us. You see, that takes that listening heart. There's lots of good things we could do. There's lots of good things we could be involved in. But we seek, hopefully as a church and hopefully you as individuals, to listen to God and say, but Lord, what are you calling me to be involved in? Let me give you just some examples from us as a church. We, a number of years ago, got a vision for building a new building. We put together a building committee. A lot of people got involved. There was a lot going on. It was an exciting time and we brought in consultants and we got organized and, it, and we were talking about building a new building. And then some things came up that it was clear God was telling us no. Now, 
we could have said, no, we've got to push this through. We've got to make this happen. But it would not have been a work of God. I'm convinced of that. God said no. We set it aside and began working on some other things that we needed to work on, some leadership issues, some personnel issues, a number of things. And I think we're a much stronger church because of that. You see, sometimes if God's not in the plan, you just need to let it go. But other things, God raises up. He begins to work and He guides us. And we've thought a long time for years about having some kind of ministry, a service ministry. And finally, in the last few years, it began to come together and God provided people and God provided resources and a number of you are involved in that ministry and it's a great ministry. It's something that God gave us a plan for and began to put it together. We've, God has laid on our hearts the need for a pastoral care pastor, someone that can really focus on our sick and shut-ins, the elderly, um, and, and minister to them. And we've prayed about that and we've sought the Lord about that and we've begun to move forward because we feel like it's His plan. Now, He can shut the door at any time. But at this point, we believe God's calling us to find a pastoral care pastor. We believe it's His plan. So we're seeking Him and we're moving ahead with that. Now, if you're, if you're moving this way, if you're waiting on the Lord to lead you and guide you and give you the plan instead of you making a plan and going for it and, hey, if God doesn't want it, I guess He'll close the door and you just move ahead with it. Well, you get involved in a lot more that way. But is it of the Lord? See, our way is, as a church, as leadership, is more to try to wait on the Lord, pray, and Lord, give us a plan, give us your perspective, and then move ahead. I know that can be frustrating because we move slowly as leaders. We don't start a lot of new programs. But I hope, I hope that it means what we do start is of Him and He's in it. You see, when God is in the work, He gives the plan. It's not something we manufacture. It's of Him. He gives the plan. Just because an idea is a good idea doesn't mean that it's a call of God. Uh, you've heard the saying, a need does not constitute a call. Just because you see a need, it doesn't mean God's calling you to get involved in it. You must seek wisdom, pay attention to your own giftedness, pay attention to what God's calling you to do, and then get, in, get involved as a church, but as an individual too. But let me tell you, God does have a plan for you. <laughs> He's gifted you. He has a place for you to serve. So listen for His plan because when God's in the work, He will give you the plan. And one thing I've noticed because so much of our work tends to be frantic and all is that God, when He's involved in the work, it's not frantic. It's not frantic. God tends to want depth rather than a whole lot of breadth. God wants our programs or whatever it is He leads us to to take people deep with Him. Not just do a lot of things because somehow it makes it feel better to do a lot of things. So when God is in the work, He will give the plan. Third, when God is in the work, He will provide the resources. I love the way it comes together here as God says, okay, here's the plan. And then notice verse 20. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. And everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work 
of the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. Then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches, earrings, signet rings and bracelets, all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. They also brought, as you go on, clothing and hides of sea cows and all kinds of things for the work of the tabernacle. Why did they bring stuff? Because God stirred in their hearts. You see, who provides for ministry? God. Through people whose heart, hearts He stirs. If God's in the work, He provides the resources. Yes, through people, but He provides the resources. And I want you to notice, what, what were they bringing? All these things that they got where? From Egypt. When they were slaves in Egypt and then God did a miracle and brought them out, remember they plundered the Egyptians and they took gold and jewelry and clothing and all kinds of things. They brought it into the wilderness. They got all this great stuff. And now God began to stir in their hearts for them to give that over. This was all formerly pagan stuff, but now God is using it to build His tabernacle where He can dwell among the people and live and have His presence among them and be worshipped among them. I love that about God. You know, He can use anything. He uses us in our weakness. He uses Aaron. He uses all of us in our fallenness and our brokenness. And He uses what we have to accomplish His purposes. He stirs in our hearts to give. My parents had the opportunity a number of years back, you remember the Rajneesh, Bhagwan Rajneesh Purim in central Oregon near Antelope, Oregon, had a huge compound. My parents took a tour bus when he was there and went through that area and he had his 94 Rolls Royces and he had his SUVs and he had these massive complex, all kinds of money everywhere and built these, all these buildings, marvelous huge buildings and had a commune and all of that. Well, then he got kicked out of the country. So what happened to all that great stuff? It got donated to Young Life. Isn't that awesome? God said, I'll let this guy be there. I'll let him build all this great stuff. And then I'm going to use it for my kingdom. And so that place now is a place where every summer thousands of kids go and thousands of kids junior high and high school, come to Christ every year because God provided a resource to do amazing things. God will provide. So what's our part? If God's going to provide, what's our part? Well, first of all, of course, to be sensitive to His stirring in our hearts. When He stirs you to give, you hear about a need and He stirs you to move, trust Him. Feel free to give more blessed to give than to receive. Be part of what God's doing. Respond to Him. And if you're involved in a ministry and you need, you need God to provide, first of all, pray. I love the story of George Mueller, who was a man in England who had a heart to start orphanages. And if you've ever read his biography, it's amazing. He just prayed. He decided he would never even make the need known to anyone else. He would just pray and trust God to provide. And sometimes he didn't. He had all these orphans, and sometimes he didn't have 
anything for dinner that night, and yet somehow God provided every time. And he watched God provide in all kinds of ways. You see, God, when he's in the work, he provides the resources. The other extreme, of course, is, is saying, you know what, it's a good thing, so we're going to make sure we do whatever we can to get the money. So we'll borrow all kinds of money, we'll manipulate people, we'll pressure people to get what we think we need because the work is so important. Obviously, we don't want to do that. At Cole, we pray about the need, we ask God to stir among the people, we ask God to provide. We do make the need known, but then we trust God that He will stir in people's hearts to provide. And over and over again, through all kinds of ministries and short-term missions and the ministries of this church, you have responded. And it's been fun to see God just provide through you. It's exciting. And notice what happens at the end of this passage that we're looking at. Chapter 36, verse 5 through 7. All the skillful men are working now and the women and they're building and they're creating and they're getting everything together. And verse 5, they said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. So Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions to the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more. How often have you heard that from a church? Don't bring any more. Stop. You know what? We did that in this church just this last month. We decided to do an outreach with a sister church in the Philippines, Church of the Harvest. And we decided God was calling us to raise up, I think it was $16,000. And in just a few weeks, you provided more than enough. And Brian Grant got up and said, you don't have to give any more. Stop. God's provided more than enough. You see, that's exciting. You know God's in it. When you see God provide enough and an overabundance. If God's in the work, He provides the resources. He will provide what we need. It's exciting. Fourth, if God is in the work, He will provide not just the resources, but the people as well. He will provide the people. See, so often we get a great idea for ministry and we may even have the resources for it, but we don't have the people. And the temptation is, well, let's go twist a few arms. <laughs> you know, we need people and this has got to be of God, so let's make it happen. But watch what happens here. Starting in verse 30 of chapter 35. Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the son of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all craftsmanship to make designs for working in gold and silver and bronze, etc. Verse 34, He has also put in his heart to teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan. He's filled them with skill to perform every work so God raises up leaders to do the work. And then verse 1 of chapter 36. Now Bezalel and Aholiab and every skillful person in whom the Lord has put a heart of wisdom, skill, and understanding to know how to perform all the work in the construction of the sanctuary shall perform in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. So God did what? 
He stirred in Bezalel and Holiab's hearts and raised them up to do the work. And then He put skill in the hearts of the people as well, equipped them and raised them up to do the work. You see, when God is in the work, He provides the people. We don't have to pressure people. We don't have to manipulate people. We don't have to coerce people to get involved. Notice verse 22. All whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and were involved in the work. And you see that all the way through here. When God raises up people, He gives a place for everyone. Everyone's needed. Everyone's important. Every one of you is gifted in a certain way. God has given you a heart of wisdom, a place, a gift, spiritual gift to get involved. If you know Jesus, you've been equipped to serve Him somewhere. And the question is, where is God stirring in your heart like He did them to get involved? Again, it has to be His plan It has to be Him raising you up, not just because there's a need, but God does have a place for you. This is the way God moves. He provides the people. So that's what we do. We make the need known. And we say, if God's stirring in your heart to